What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. I am so excited for you to hear this episode where I was lucky enough to chat with the wonderfully inspiring Melissa Ambrosini, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide, host of the number one podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show, a motivational speaker, self-love teacher, and named a self-help guru by Elle magazine. She now dedicates her time to helping people across the globe to take ownership of their lives and unlock their full potential. Melissa's energy and positive attitude is infectious, but she is the first to admit that her life wasn't always this positive. Once a professional dancer living her dream of traveling and performing all over the world, Melissa's life was flipped upside down when she had to return to Australia in her early 20s. For various reasons, this move back home led her down a dark spiral of unemployment, poor relationships and a fairly unhealthy, depressed and destructive path. After hitting what she calls her rock bottom, Melissa was admitted to hospital, which was the wake-up call that led her to turn her life around. After realizing she was the only one who could take responsibility for the direction her life was taking, she decided it was time to take control of her life, her health and her happiness. Through learning all she could about holistic nutrition and wellness and sharing her experiences along the way, she ended up helping others to do the same. Melissa is the perfect example of someone who has taken charge of her life and we are so lucky that she has chosen to share her journey with the world. In this wonderfully inspiring episode, you will discover how important it is to remember that we are constantly changing and evolving through our life that you can manage yourself through difficult times by shifting your mindset and changing your attitude, the importance of acknowledging your feelings before trying to move past them, that every experience contains a lesson for us and the importance of reflecting on what those lessons are so you can avoid repeating them, how to master your inner critic or your inner mean girl, as Melissa calls it, the power of sleep, the importance of scheduling time for self-care and the things that fill your cup, and so much more. I am so grateful to be able to share this episode with you, where you will also hear the beautiful sounds of birds chirping in the background as well. I just know you're going to love hearing from Melissa, so let's get right into it. So hello, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me today on our Dream Life podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. I cannot wait to get into all the things that I love about you. But before I do, I'd love to understand a little bit about your childhood. What did you dream about as a child or who did you dream about becoming or what did you dream about doing as a child? That's such a beautiful question. And I often think about this and I ask my mom and I'll say to her, what did I want to be when I was a kid? And what did I say that I wanted to be? Because kids go through all these different phases. And I always wanted to be a performer and entertainer. So from the age of three, my mom put me in dance classes and I just 
loved being on the stage. I loved dancing around. I loved performing. I loved it. And even when I wasn't doing it at my dance school, on the weekends, I would rally together all of my neighbors and we would put on concerts in our garage and would charge our family and we'd, we had this roller door and the roller door would go up and that was like our curtain and I just loved it. And so as a child, I always just dreamt of performing and dancing and I didn't know what that was going to look like or how that was going to manifest, but it was something that I just loved doing and was so passionate about. Mm. And that's something you actually did make a reality to in terms of not just as a childhood thing, you actually then became a professional dancer. Yes, I did. I did. I went on to become a professional dancer. So during my high school years, I started working professionally as a dancer and I did musicals and singing and acting and things like that. And after I finished school, I applied to go to university. I got accepted into a Bachelor of Business at the best university in Brisbane. And I was going to go majoring in marketing and I was going to do it. And something within me was just like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And so I auditioned and got accepted into the best performing arts college in Australia. And that was in Sydney. And at the time I grew up in Brisbane. And so I auditioned and got accepted. And as soon as I finished year 12, I moved to Sydney at 17 years old. I packed my bags and moved to Sydney, changed states by myself and did a one-year full-time intensive performing arts college where you do singing and acting and dancing every single day and you study nutrition and you study anatomy and, and all sorts of amazing things and you essentially become a professional performer and I got like a, a certificate five in performing arts and then after that at your graduation, you audition for agencies and shows. And I went on and did that and worked professionally as a dancer for two years in Sydney. And then I auditioned for the Moulin Rouge in Paris and I got accepted. And that had always been a dream of mine to dance at the Moulin Rouge because as a dancer, dancing at the Moulin Rouge is the peak. It's like the best thing that you can do. And so at 20 years old, I moved to Paris for a year and danced there as one of the Can-Can dancers and absolutely loved it so much. And then I went on and moved to London for two years after that and worked as a dancer and did musicals and I did acting and TV presenting. And then after that, I moved back to Australia when I didn't actually want to move back, my visa had expired and I had to move home and I was devastated because that dream of continuously doing what I loved to do, which was performing, and the industry there is so vast, uh, it's not as big in Australia and I kind of knew that if I was coming back to Australia that I, you know, I'd done everything in Australia that there was to do as a performer and so that dream was going to be over and it was really quite hard for me to digest. But, you know, everything happens for a reason and everything is always unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to because coming back to Australia was the start of my journey now, the life that I'm on now, the path that I'm on now. So if that didn't happen, I might not be where I am today. So it's all perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always a positive and a negative, isn't there? I love hearing that because now you are a best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide, host of your amazing, uh, very inspirational number one podcast, The Melissa Ambrose Only Show, and you spend your time helping people across the globe to take ownership of their lives and unlock their full potential, which is just so inspiring. But I do know that your life wasn't always following such a positive path. So obviously, when you came back from London, I'd love to hear your story, how I know you were very unwell and that you had a bit of a wake-up call and now are doing living your dream life. So I'd love to hear a little bit more for our listeners to understand a little bit more how you got to where you are today. Yeah, and I think before I go into that, it's really important to mention that I haven't always had this positive dream big, you know, outlook on life. I didn't, you know, have that as a growing up. And so it was something that I've had to really learn and implement. But basically when I moved back from London, I spiraled into a very deep, dark depression. 
at that time, I was so depressed about coming home and I was miserable and I didn't have any work. I couldn't get any work because in Australia, there's there's not a lot of work as a, a performer. It's just not like New York and LA and London and Paris. It's not like that here, unfortunately. The industry here just isn't as big. You know, it's not like Broadway or the West End where there's hundreds of musicals, you know, and things like that. So, I had no had no work and I was actually sleeping on my friend's fold-out single hospital bed. You know those ones that kind of fold out from the middle? So those wheel-along beds, I was sleeping on one of those in her lounge room because I couldn't afford to live on my own and I could barely afford to buy food. And at that time, all of my other friends dumped me because they didn't want to be my friend anymore. So I had no job. I had no friends besides this one friend that I was living with who was an absolute angel. And my health was plummeting. And I'd just been dumped by the boy that I was seeing back in London. And so every area of my life was at rock bottom. And I was dealing with a lot of health issues and I lived for the weekend to numb the pain with drugs and alcohol. And it wasn't until, you know, one time I ended up in hospital and this was my wake-up call. And it was like the universe had pulled the rug from out from underneath me and it was the last straw. And I ended up in hospital with a whole host of health issues, like my entire immune system had shut down. I had chronic fatigue and thyroid problems and all sorts of things, but I was also dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and depression and eating issues. And I had my mum and my dad beside me in the hospital and there was something within me that said, if you get yourself healthy and happy again, you'll live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And at the time, I didn't know that that was my intuition because I didn't know what my intuition was then. But at the time, I just felt this deep within me, this voice say, if you get yourself healthy and happy again, you'll live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And being at rock bottom, I had nowhere else to turn. So I was like, okay, I am responsible for how I got here and I am the only one that can get myself out. And I took responsibility. I took radical responsibility for my health and for my life and the lowest hanging fruit was my health. So I had to get my health sorted. So actually I went on and studied holistic nutrition because I knew that I needed to start to understand how the body works and how to nourish myself because I was living off fast food and alcohol and partying. I was trashing my body and it was manifesting. You know, I kept on going into hospital because my immune system would shut down. And so I went on and studied holistic nutrition and began this thing called a blog. Now, this was early 2011 when no one had blogs. Instagram wasn't around. No one was spreading their message like they are today. And so I began this thing called a blog and began sharing what I was learning. I began sharing about my relationship with food and my relationship with my body and what I was learning along my journey. And I studied to become a certified holistic health coach. And I realized that it wasn't just about what you put in your mouth. You could be drinking all the green smoothies and kale chips there is. If you haven't mastered your inner mean girl, which, which is what I call your inner voice, you know, that ego or whatever you want to call it. If you haven't mastered that voice, then, you know, you may as well not bother. And so after that, I began coaching people because I was certified and I got my life coaching certification as well. And I studied meditation, became a meditation teacher, a yoga teacher. I studied acuenergetics, which is energy healing work. And I kind of combined everything that I was learning and began coaching people and creating e-courses and sharing on Facebook. And then Instagram came around 
and I attended every personal development seminar that came to Sydney. I read every personal development and spiritual text that I could get my hands on and I completely immersed myself in this world because I started to feel good in my skin. And I'm all about moving toward what feels good and moving away from what doesn't. And so what I was doing was making me feel good. So I was continuously moving toward it. And then I began getting asked to speak. You know, people were, my blog was getting thousands and thousands of views a day. And I was getting so many comments. And then I started writing for Cosmopolitan magazine. I had my own little health and wellness column in in Cosmo magazine. And then I began getting asked to speak as a motivational speaker and share my story. And I was just like, what is going on? And, And then I wrote my first book, Mastering Your Mean Girl, which became a number one bestseller. And uh, then my next book, Open Wide, which is also a number one bestseller. And I started my podcast about two years ago and we've already had about 6 million downloads, which is just amazing. And it's, it's, I'm the same as you where I just interview people that have inspired me, that I love, that are doing great things in the world, that have yeah, had a part of my journey. They've been on my journey with me, whether it's a book that I've read that they have written or I attended something that they, a workshop that they ran or something like that. And, you know, I've been on this journey since 2010. You know, that's nine years I've been doing what I do now and I absolutely love it and it's so rewarding and everything I do, every book I write, every talk, every program I create, every person I mentor, is to help women unlock their full potential and live their best life. That is the mission behind every single thing that I do and create in this world. Mm, It's so inspiring. We're going to talk a little bit about the Mastering Your Mean Girl and also your second book, Open Wide. But the way you turned around your life is so inspiring. Do you have any tips for those people who may be stuck in a destructive pattern or behavior themselves? Yeah, I don't want to as well skip over the fact that you know, I don't want it to sound like I went from being in hospital to, oh, here I am, all amazing. And that definitely wasn't the case for me. It was, it's a journey. It is a journey. And I'm still on my journey. You know, we all are. That's what life is about. It's about a journey of self-discovery and self-awareness and continuously showing up and peeling back the layers and stepping up and being the best version of yourself. And and then tomorrow being an even better version of yourself. And then the next day an even better. And it's like, we're always growing and changing and evolving. And actually someone said to me, I actually read a review on my podcast and they said, you know, Melissa's opinion's always changing. And she kind of said it in a negative light. And I was like, well, I hope that I'm growing and evolving. You know, I hope that I'm continuously growing and evolving and and changing. I don't want to have the same opinions and views all the time. And so I think that's really important is that we we are always growing. We are always evolving. And that's something that's really, really important. But if you're currently in a challenging period, what has helped me over the years is knowing that everything is always unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. And I know it can feel really hard to grasp that when you're in the pit I know, I know, because I've been there. I've been there. But when I am in that, in those times, whether it's, you know, dealing with a loved one who's passed away or something like that, you know, even just writing down on a post-it note, everything is unfolding the exactly the way it's supposed to. Or another one of my favorite sayings is, this too shall pass. And I will write, this too shall pass, and I will stick it on my bathroom mirror. You know, at the end of last year, one of my closest friends commit suicide. And I wasn't going to just say to myself, get over it. You know, I allowed myself to fully feel all the sorrow, all the grief, all the pain, all the guilt 
everything that arose within me. But I did write, this too shall pass. And I stuck it on my mirror and I reminded myself of it because nothing is permanent. Everything is always changing. Just look at nature. Look at mother nature. She's always changing and she goes through the seasons and so do we. And so anyone who's listening who is currently feeling like they're in the pit, they're being brought to their knees by something, remind yourself that this too shall pass and that everything is unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to and allow yourself to fully feel whatever it is that you want to feel and then also reflect on the lessons. You know, for me, I always ask myself, what can I learn? What is the lesson for me out of this? You know, someone came to me today and they were telling me about this financial situation that they're in where they have to pay a lot of money because of something that's happened. You know, we're we're talking $250,000. And I said to this person, okay, you know, feel all the feelings that are arising within you. And then I want you to sit and reflect on what is the lesson for you in this? What have you learned through this process so far? Because there's always gifts. There's always nuggets of wisdom, even in the harder stuff. And if we fail to see it, we sometimes will then repeat that lesson later. And we don't want to keep repeating that same lesson over and over and over again, because that's just not fun at all. So we want to have these things happen and then learn from them and grow and evolve and then move forward. And that's how I've moved through the more challenging times or events in my life. And that's still what I do to this day. Mm, Great. Thank you. I so agree with you. There's nothing like learning from our mistakes or or the past, but the most important is to move forward and learn from it and then um, hopefully never do them again. Of course, sometimes we have to learn the same lessons many times before we, we can move on. And I think that's real for most of us. Yeah, exactly. And look at children. Sometimes they have to fall over so many times before they realize, oh, okay, you know, I have to just step over that or I can go around that, you know, and that's the same as us. Sometimes we have to metaphorically fall over a few times before we get the lesson. Yeah. And I also think that often those dark times, they are so hard when you're right in the middle of it. But then when you get go out, you think that was such a gift because you're now changing or or you didn't go ahead with whatever whatever happened. So there is always a gift in, in everything that we do. So absolutely agree with you there. In my recent book, I talk a lot about the question of who, as in who can help me, who can I learn from or who has successfully done before what I'm trying to do now. I know you are someone who uses mentors and you also mentor yourself, but are there any key people who help you along your journey and how did those relationships come about? Hmm, so many and so many just from books, you know, just reading you know, Tony Robbins is my mentor. No, have I have I spoken to him in person? No, but I've read his books and and I've learned from him that way. Oprah, I haven't met her yet, but you know, she's been a huge mentor. So you don't actually have to be working one-on-one with someone for them to mentor you. You can get their teachings from their books and from online videos and programs and things like that. But for me, I have had so many people who have been really influential in my journey and have really helped me a lot along my way. Business mentors, health mentors, um, spiritual mentors, There's been so many, so many, but someone who constantly is mentoring me is my husband, who is an amazing businessman and an amazing creative, and he's been huge in my journey, especially in business. He's eight years older than me, so he kind of stepped into my life and saw what I had created with my business and was able then to pass on so much of his wisdom and knowledge and share that with me, which has been so helpful. And I've learned so much from him. Mm. 
that's so inspiring. It's similar with me having working with my life partner is incredibly. It's also very challenging, and I'm sure we can tell that <laughs> as well. <laughs> it's uh, there's always a positive and negative, uh, but it's amazing when you can work with your life partner because you can then um, really focus on your each individual strength and make everything better. So I, I can so relate to that. I would love to talk about your best-selling book, Mastering Your Mean Girl. It's so wonderful. And in the book, you refer to the voice we speak to ourselves with, our inner critic, as you say, inner mean girl, which I think is just so perfect. But for our listeners who may not be familiar with your book or this idea, can you share a little bit more about this with me? Mm-hmm, of course. So basically, What that inner mean girl is, is that voice inside you that says you're not good enough, pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough. Who do you think you are? You you can never write a book. You'll never get the guy. You'll never get out of debt. Don't even bother. You may as well quit. Everybody can relate to that voice. Everyone and even men, they have a bad boy or whatever they want to call it. And this voice is often referred to as the inner critic or the ego or the shadow self. And I like to refer to it as your inner mean girl because mine is pretty mean. Mine is really mean. And she says some awful, horrible things to me that I wouldn't say to anybody. Yet we allow ourselves to speak to us like that. It is crazy when you think about it. You wouldn't speak to your friend like that. You wouldn't speak to your best friend or your mum or a colleague like that, yet we allow ourselves to speak to us like that. It is just crazy. And when I realized that I had this incredibly loud in a mean voice, I realized that I needed to work out a strategy on how to master that. And that's how Mastering Your Mean Girl came about. I I discovered this three-step process on how to master that voice. And I do that three-step process every single day, all day, every day, whenever I need it, because women have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. And and men have around 40,000. So sometimes we might need to be mastering that voice 60 to 80,000 times a day. But it's like anything. It's a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. And, you know, now it might be, you know, once or twice a day or once a day or maybe even no times a day. But it's still there. It still pops up. And I have to use my own three-step mastering your mean girl process to master her. So what advice can you then give to our listeners? Can you share the so obviously we're going to we're going to link to your book so people can really read it and get deep into it. But for the people who are, do not have your book yet, what can you what advice can you give to our listeners how to take control of their own inner mean girl? Okay. So this is so important because if you don't learn this technique, you won't be able to dream big. You won't be able to do the things that you want to do in your life. You won't be able to um, call in the things that you want to manifest because that voice will stop you. It'll it'll tell you that, oh, you can't have that dream or who do you think you are? So learning this three-step process, it's very simple, will radically change your life and, and allow you to dream really, really big. So this is what I do. This is what I get anyone that I'm mentoring in my talks and anything that I'm doing, what I share in my book, this is what I get people to do. It's a three-step process. And if you've got a pen and paper and you're not driving, you can write this down. So the first step is awareness. You have to become aware of what it is that she is saying. And maybe it's you'll never get out of debt or you'll never meet the guy or you can't write a book. Who do you think you are? Whatever it is. So the first step is awareness. Become aware of what she's saying. Write it down even if you want to. And you can say it like, my mean girl is telling me I will never get out of debt. Okay. So you write that down. If you've got more than one, go for it. Write them all down. Sometimes I've had women do this and they've had like five pages of things five pages of things that their inner mean girl is said is saying to them and it's just it's just crazy. And so that's the first step we get it all out on paper, we write it down. Maybe it's one, maybe it's 21. 
The second step is we gently close the door on her. So imagine it like an annoying salesperson who comes knocking on your door to sell you something that you're just not interested in. Okay, say Tupperware, or maybe you might be interested in Tupperware, but I'm sure I'm not interested in Tupperware at all. And say that this person comes knocking on your door and they're trying to sell you something and they're giving you this 45-minute spiel on something you're not interested in. You would say, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm not interested today. The same thing has to apply when your inner mingo comes knocking on your internal door to say, you're never going to get out of debt. You say, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm not interested today. And then the third step is you choose love again. Okay. So we come back to choosing love. So once we've, the first step, we've had the awareness. The second step, we've closed the door on the thought. Don't invite that thought in. Do not let that thought move in. And the third step, we choose love instead. Well, we come back to the truth and you say, well, actually, yeah, I can write a book. I am very smart. I'm very intelligent. And so we reframe it with a new positive affirmation. And if you take yourself through that three-step process, whenever your inner mean girl pops up, that is how you master her. So first step, self-awareness. Second step, close the door. Third step, choose love instead. And you can do this all on a piece of paper and then come up with the third step, which is like a new empowering mantra from love instead of fear, which is when you first entered the conversation with yourself. So does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really, those steps are really good for, you know, dealing with fear and dealing with not having the confidence. Cause I get a lot of questions about, you know, if you have a big dream, but you don't have the confidence, I think this will be really helpful for those people as well to go through that three steps. Yes, absolutely. And again, confidence is something that we all have within us and it might get squashed sometimes by a particular situation or an instance, but confidence is something that is like a muscle that gets built with use. You know, the more you practice it, the more you stand in your power and you own who you are, you strengthen your confidence muscle. Mm, absolutely. So let's move on to your most recent bestseller, Open Wide. Open Wide is described as a tool to help you upgrade and enrich all the relationships in your life, including the most important one of all, the one with yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about this book and what was it that drove you to write it? Mm, so Mastering Your Mean Girl was very much about your relationship with yourself and mastering your relationship with yourself so that you can show up and be the best version of yourself. And then Open Wide is very much focused on relationships. And and of course, your relationship with yourself, the first third of the book is all about your relationship with yourself because you can't have thriving relationships if you don't love yourself. And so so we're all in relationships with people at all different times, at different types of relationships, yet no one teaches us how to be in them. You know, we're not taught communication skills in school. We're not taught how to be a good friend, how to be, you know, a good daughter. We're not taught these things, how to be a good partner, you know, no one teaches us these. And so I wrote this book because I had fumbled my way through boyfriend after boyfriend and friendship after friendship. And I realized there was a lot of things that I wasn't taught that I really wished I had have been taught. And so that's what this manual is. It's it's a life guide on how to have rocking relationships with your friends, with your partner, with yourself, because I believe we're here to have these deep soulful connections. So that's what it's about. The the subtitle is um, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex, because I want deep relationships. I want deep, open, vulnerable, honest conversations. You know, that's what really lights my heart on fire. Mm, We'll link to that. It's a great book and something that we absolutely all need to have. So thank you for sharing all your wisdom on that one. But like me, I know you're hugely passionate about getting enough sleep and the importance of rest. Can you give our readers some tips on how to hack their sleep to ensure they're getting the best quality sleep and how that can help them to be more productive and live their dream life? 
Yeah, sleep is so important. It is so important. I'm up to almost 200 episodes on my podcast and every single expert and doctor and author that I've had on the show, at least once they will all mention the importance of sleep. And I used to have this mentality in my 20s, you can sleep when you're dead. That's literally my that was my mantra. Yeah. And me too. <laughs> yeah, and and a boyfriend in my early 20s had said that to me and it stuck with me and I was like, yeah, he's right. Yeah. Okay. I don't need to. And and so I didn't make it a priority. It was something that was not important to me. It didn't matter what time I went to bed, what time I got up. I didn't make the connection between how I felt and my sleep. I didn't make that connection because I wasn't self-aware. I didn't have that level of self-awareness that I have now and intuition that I have now. And so I have learned how to really hack my sleep to get this beautiful, epic eight hours of juicy sleep that makes me feel amazing. So my husband has always said to me, like, I've never met anyone who can get, literally jumps out of bed in the morning and is so excited for life. Like he goes, don't you ever just like feel tired or nope, I literally don't. I wake up and I'm like, yes, I can't wait. I sing in the morning. I'm smiling. Like I'm so excited to start my day. And he was always like, God, I've never met anyone so perky in the morning. And that is, I've not always been like that. Definitely not always been like that. It's something that I've worked on. And I've got a couple of tips that really, really help me going to bed at the same time or the same-ish time every night, making that a routine. So I you know, roughly get into bed around 8 or 8.30 very early and I read in bed and then I'll fall asleep and making sure there's no electronics in your room, you know, no phone, don't charge your phone in the room. If you need it for an alarm, go and buy a little $2 alarm or something like that or get a sun lamp off Amazon. You know, don't have a TV in there. Try not to do anything in your bedroom besides sleep and make love. You know, you shouldn't eat in bed. You shouldn't work in bed. Definitely shouldn't be on your devices in bed. That is your sacred sanctuary where you go to sleep, rest, rejuvenate, and to make love. And in our bedroom, there is literally a bed and two bedside tables. That's it. There's nothing else. We don't have, and a plant. We don't have clutter as well. You want your bedroom to be clutter free and to be a sanctuary. You want it to be a place that you go to and you're excited. Like, I can't wait to get into bed. I've got my oils diffusing. I can't wait. I just love it so much. You know, wearing earplugs or an eye mask if you are in a busy area where you need to. In our Bondi apartment, I need to wear earplugs earplugs and an eye mask. In Noosa, where we have our other home, I don't need to, but I still do sometimes just if I want to make sure I want to get a really deep sleep. And then, you know, you can making sure the temperature in the room is really important, not too hot, not too cold. I think 18 degrees Celsius is like the ideal. And I'm a massive fan of king beds, especially if you share it with somebody and just making sure you've got like a really comfortable bed. Turning the Wi-Fi off at night is also really important and they're like my favorite. I mean, if you've got street lights and things like that outside your window that are beaming in, it's really important that you block those out because that will stimulate you and keep you awake and we don't want to do that at nighttime. We want to wind down. So you can also have things like an Epsom salt bath and use lavender essential oil and do some beautiful little nighttime rituals like some yin yoga and meditation or some reading or massage with your partner or massage yourself. You know, there's so many beautiful things you can do, but getting into a nighttime routine and and sticking to it is really going to help you have a really beautiful, deep and restful, rejuvenating sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I know that we're going to talk about your morning routine soon, but um, I I get so many questions because people always say, how can you get up early? And I don't do it all the time, but I love my morning so much that going to bed early is kind of an easy one for me because I I get so much joy out of my early mornings because it's the most beautiful part of the day in my view. So I think um, for anyone's listening, sometimes you have to give up the 
late nights to to be able to um, have a really good night's sleep and then get up early to live a, a life full of potential. And one thing that I actually do as well, and I know you know Dr. Libby very well, she has a beautiful sleep um, supplement called from a brand that she created called BioBlends, and it's all natural, organic, and um, I take them especially when I travel. So that's another little tip. So we'll link to those as well for anyone who might need some help with supplements to sleep. I've heard you say before that in your past, you were always looking externally instead of internally for happiness, acceptance and approval. I'm sure many people can relate to this. Can you share a little bit about how you managed to change this mindset? And do you have any advice for any of our listeners who may be in the same boat? Mm, Yeah, I absolutely did that. My measure of happiness was always external. I was always looking, I was always seeking. But the thing with that is, is it's never ending. You know, you'll get the designer handbag or the cute boyfriend or the approval from your parents or a teacher or something like that. But then it's never got an end. And so what I realized was that true happiness had to come from within. And true happiness is a choice that we make in each moment, choosing to be happy, choosing to look on the bright side. And so it's, again, it's a muscle. It's something that the more we practice it, the easier it becomes. And I'm not going to say that that's always the case for me. It's not. There's some t- there's times where I'm like, wow, I'm feeling really sad right now, but I allow myself to feel whatever emotions arise within me, but then I do remind myself that I can choose happiness whenever I'm ready. Whenever I'm ready to make that shift, I can, and it's only a breath away. It's only just one breath away. And so if you are listening and you are wondering how you can choose happiness, it's just awareness, reminding yourself that it is available to you at any moment, any moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think um, another one for happiness is gratitude. And even in the darkest times of our lives, there's so much to be grateful for. And sometimes it's the most the things that we take the most for um, for granted, you know, like that we have fresh air or, you know, food or shelter or whatever it is, the stuff that we kind of take for granted. It's it's so important to be grateful for everything that we have. And that really um, makes you realize how happy you can be because of that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter how you feel. You could be having the funkiest day ever, but having a regular gratitude practice is so important. The first thing that my husband and I do every morning is, you know, wake up, roll over. I say, good morning. He says, good morning. And I also make sure that I do it in a very upbeat tone like that. That's another little trick. Okay. It's a good little hack that makes such a difference. And I smile. Okay. So smiling literally changes the biochemistry in your body. It turns your cells on and it turns your cells up. Right. And if you want happy high vibe cells, smile. So you'll find me often just driving, smiling for no reason, just smiling. And even if I don't feel like it, I just make myself do it. So I'll wake up in the morning and say, I've, you know, I always wake up before my husband always. And sometimes it's a little bit before, sometimes it's a, you know, an hour before. And I usually will go to the bathroom or I'll go get my water or something. And then whenever he is awake, I'll walk back in and I'll say, good morning in my nice, happy, smiley voice. And then I'll say, what are three things you're grateful for? And he'll share three and then he'll ask me and I'll share my three. That's how we start our day every single day, every day. And then during the day, like sometimes I'm driving and I'll just be saying out loud what I'm grateful for. When we have, I have a 13-year-old bonus son. And so when we have him, we don't, we have him for two weeks at our house and then he goes to his mum's for two weeks. So the two weeks that we have him, every night over the dinner table, we say three things we're grateful for. And we each go around and we do that together. And it's just, again, I haven't always done this. It's something that I started many years ago and it's now become a habit. I don't even have to think about it. 
It's like brushing my teeth. You don't have to think, oh, I've got to remember to brush my teeth or I have to leave a post-it note out to brush my teeth. You don't have to do that. And that's the same now with me with gratitude. I don't have to leave a reminder to ask my husband what he's grateful for. It's just habit now. And it's incredibly, you actually cannot feel angry and grateful at the same time. You can't. And so if you are feeling angry or if you are feeling sad or depressed, allow yourself to feel those things, but then, you know, ask yourself, well, what are the things I'm grateful for? Sometimes I write down in my journal, just everything that I'm grateful for. And I get that off my chest and it's a beautiful practice. That's so simple and free and makes such a big difference. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I do the same with the kids and, um, I absolutely think it can be completely the way you transform how you feel if you start today like that. So thank you for sharing that. I know you must have met some wonderfully inspiring people through all the work that you do, especially through your podcast, which I love. But I'd love to know, out of everyone you have met, who has left the most memorable impression or who were you most in awe of when you met? That is such a good question. Okay, so I'm just thinking about in regards to my podcast because I have interviewed so many oh, amazing people. so many amazing people. But you know what? There's two people in particular that were so kind and so generous and really practice what they preach. And that is Jack Canfield. He wrote the the Chicken Soup for the Soul series and the and the success principles. And he's an amazing teacher and leader. Amazing. And he was so kind and beautiful and generous and just blew me away. Oh, there's so many. And then another one is Bruce Lipton who again was just so kind and so generous and so beautiful and blew me away just in in how they interacted with me on and off air and more so you can tell a lot from somebody before they start they start the interview you know and it can tell you a lot about who they are and so i get a lot out of that you know chatting to them before we start recording and so these people were just, they just blew me away. There's so many. There's so, so many. Jim Quick is another one. Oh, my gosh. And they're just so present and so calm and there's no rush. And these people are like huge and they, you know, will give me two hours of their time and they don't even know me and it's just so beautiful. And so, yeah, there's so, so many and I'm sure I'm missing a lot but they're just the top three that came to my head. Yeah, they're all amazing. And I feel the same. It's just so inspiring to to be able to, through a podcast, meet these amazing people and to listen to other people's podcasts just to get so much um, free advice is just incredible. We are so lucky to have podcasts in our lives, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I'm reading a book at the moment and in the book it's he, he talks about, it's an older book, he talks about going back and getting the encyclopedias and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, remember those? And, and there's probably a lot of people here that didn't grow up with them, but we grew up with all of the encyclopedias and that's how you studied. That's how you learned. You didn't have Google. And so I think we're so lucky now to have so much incredible knowledge and information and wisdom at our fingertips. Like you can type in whatever you want and you can learn about a topic and you can be inspired just like that. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is incredible. And it's absolutely. And, you know, I was, when I started my business, I had yellow pages and they were all in book form. Um, You know, I don't think they (laughs) anymore, but, you know, some, my kids do not understand that era, but it's kind of funny to see, to have been able to live on both. It's very privileged. I I really, truly am grateful for being alive right now. So you are clearly someone who looks at life holistically and considers how our emotional and physical selves work together to create who we are. I would love to know if you have any non-negotiable daily habits that help you live your dream life. Yes, I do. Nourishing my body is 
absolutely just something I do every single day and that's with, you know, clean water and beautiful organic food and that's something that's so important to me because what we fuel our temple with, what we eat becomes ourselves and it's creating ourselves, it's building ourselves. And so it's very important that what we're putting in our mouth is of the best quality that we can possibly get our hands on. So that is absolutely a non-negotiable for me, just nourishing my temple. And you know what? I used to have a long list of non-negotiables, but I have evolved since then and I've allowed myself to not be so strict on myself because I had this long list of non-negotiables and then if I didn't do them I would my mean girl would beat me up she would beat me up for not doing that long list so now I take a little bit more of a different approach to it there are I have preferences you know so I call them preferences instead of non-negotiables because especially mums out there, you'll know that you could have every intention to do your beautiful morning routine. But if your kid is up, you know, vomiting all night and you've got to then get the other three kids to school in the morning and maybe go to the doctors, then your morning routine may go out the window. And so I have preferences and I also tune into my body in the morning and I see how I feel. Something that I do every morning is meditation. But if I miss it for some reason, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I used to. I used to let my mean girl really beat myself up over it and I don't do that anymore. And I try and just let go of my white knuckle grip around it. But um, I do think having some form of meditation practice first thing in the morning is very important. I think nourishing your temple is 100% something that needs to be a massive non-negotiable for everybody. Movement of some form, again, it's different for me every day. Today I just went for a walk along the beach because that's what I felt like. And then some sort of gratitude. You can do your gratitude whilst you're in the shower or driving, you know, just saying things out loud or whilst your kids are having breakfast. But that's that's it. Movement and meditation and nourishment and some gratitude. If you want, you can journal. That's also a great thing that I've done in the past. You know, pulling angel cards is also another beautiful thing. I always have my oils diffusing. There's so many things that you can do, but I don't want them to become a source of stress. I want you to do them because they make you feel good and they're a preference, but I don't want them to become a source of stress for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I know following you on Instagram and knowing you personally, I know you have self-care Sundays. Tell us a little bit about your self-care Sundays. Well, we are recording this on a Monday. So yesterday was a self-care Sunday and I did not open social media. So that for me is an act of me filling myself up. So self-care Sundays is all about filling up my mind, body, and my soul. And so I do those things that make me feel full. And and for me, it's being in nature. So I spent hours and hours at the beach yesterday with my husband and some friends and we were swimming and I was reading and that for me fills me up so much. And, And not having plans. I try not to make any plans on a Sunday and maybe I'll have like an Epsom salt bath or, you know, my meditation in nature or something like that. But What self-care Sunday is all about is really filling yourself up, doing the things that make you feel full so that you can go into your week really overflowing. But ideally, you would be doing things every day to fill yourself up. I think, you know, starting your day with a morning routine, starting your day with self-care is so important. I have one of my best friends who has just had her second child and she said to me, Mel, I don't know how women do it without a self-care practice. She said, I can see how you can easily go crazy, especially with two young children. 
you know, it's very Groundhog Day. It's it's the same thing over and over again. But she's like, I'm able to get through it because I have my daily self-care practice. And and for her, it's just 10 minutes meditation before both the kids get up. And and spending some time in nature, either with the kids or without the kids at some point for a quick swim or a walk. And it just made me go, wow, okay, this is a mom of two kids who's saying how important self-care is. She makes it a priority. And so I just want to remind everybody that don't wait till Sunday to do self-care. Try and start every day with something that fills you up, whether that's meditation or a walk in nature or whatever feels good to you and your cells. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love Sundays because that's a day when I don't book, try to not to book anything. Obviously, that sometimes happens, but Sundays is the day that I fill myself up as well. And also the morning because I, I call it my holy hour where I, I have a very indulgent morning where I do whatever I want to do. And it's often journaling and meditation and learning, which is one of my passions. So I could not agree more. Self care is so important um, every day. And especially on a Sunday, I think uh, if, people um, need to start Sundays is often a good one to start with because um, most of us have a day off on Sundays yeah absolutely and it doesn't have to be of course a Sunday if you're working on a Sunday it could be on a Monday yeah exactly and that's another great point that you said as well as learning you know reading and learning and listening to podcasts that's something as well that I do often listening to amazing podcasts reading books or listening to audio books and I usually do that whilst I'm walking or driving sometimes if I'm cleaning the house and no one's home I'll put an audio book on or a podcast on. But yeah, get inspired, read inspiring books and listen to inspiring podcasts. They're only going to make you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? That's a really good question. I would say dream really big and then go for it and take daily inspired action because we can have and create whatever it is that we want, right? But it's not going to just be presented to us on a silver platter with rose petals. How we achieve and create our dream life and and what it is that we want in our life, whether it's health goals or financial goals or career goals or relationship goals, We have to have the dream, get really clear on what that dream is, write it down, and then take daily inspired action, baby steps or bigger steps, whatever it is, each day toward that. That's how I have created what it is that I've created in my life, taking that daily inspired action and dreaming really big, getting crystal clear on those dreams. That is how you will create your dream life. Mm, love that. That's super inspiring for people. I know you must live a very full life, spending your days with, you know, obviously your family, writing books, creating content for your blog and podcasts, as well as speaking at many events, coaching, mentoring, and a lot more. So how do you manage to maintain balance if you do? Yeah. So balance is a funny word because I don't like feel like there's ever when you are an entrepreneur and you have this is never really an off switch. I mean, you know this, like you never completely switch off. Like you're, you know, even when I'm meditating, I'm getting ideas and I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Or, oh, you know, I could write about that. Or So I think it's about having the integration between the work and the life and making sure you're doing both. And so for me, it's about scheduling in the self-care, scheduling in the downtime, the family time, the friends time. Um, Otherwise, I know, you know, I can get a little bit carried away and just work and work and work and not switch off. So I make sure that there's big chunks of white space for spontaneity, for relaxation, for walks in nature. And that is what works for me. I use a digital calendar that syncs to my phone and I just schedule in big chunks of time of nothingness where I can't do any, I I don't allow myself to work. Otherwise, I'll just keep going and going and going and going. And I know you can relate to that. So I I make sure I've got, you know, catch ups with and dinners with my girlfriends and 
picnics on the weekend and family dinners and time in nature and things like that. That's something that I'm very, very diligent with and passionate about is leaving lots of white space for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and I also think it's important to talk about balance in terms of when you start a business or starting a new project or or a new career, there aren't days or weeks or sometimes months where you actually have no balance because you're focusing on something different. And I, I think that's really important to talk about because when I started my business, I didn't have what people will call a balance. But for me, it was so exciting that I just couldn't even think about anything else. So I think um, balance is making sure that you do not get completely burnt out and um, recognizing some of those things that are coming up that you might you might need to take some time off and actually not pushing you through to burnout. So I can completely relate to everything you said, but I do think that sometimes life is out of balance in a, in a good way. It's the same when you have a young baby, it's also completely out of balance the other way. So I think that's just part of the life journey. And can I give another tip? I think, you know, something that works for me is I will look at my calendar for the whole week ahead and 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 I'll look at the day, you know, at the end of my day today, I'll look at my day tomorrow and, you know, the week ahead and I kind of will look at, oh, okay, well, that's a little bit out of balance that day. I've got back-to-back meetings. How am I going to feel? I'm probably going to feel a little bit out of, out of balance. So what can I do? Well, maybe I can move that meeting to that day. Maybe, uh, do I actually need to do that one? Maybe, no, we can just do that over the phone or that can only take a 10 minute meeting or, you know, so I, I look at my schedule for the week and I see if there is, you know, a little bit of an imbalance and I'll, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll always schedule in my self-care and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to block out that time there so I can go for a walk then. So that's something that really helps me is looking at my calendar for the week ahead, seeing if there is too much on one day and then readjusting it if I need to. Yeah, that's such a good tip. I do the same because sometimes we get a little bit too enthusiastic when we're planning and sometimes we forget that things take a little bit longer as well. So sometimes we have to move things. So to do that on a daily basis is a really good tip. Exactly. And, and you know, sometimes my assistant will book all of my stuff for me. She books all of my bookings and then she won't have seen that, oh, I've now got a Mother's Day lunch on then and and I've got a that parent teacher interview there and she won't have seen those things pop up yet or something and and so it's really important that you just do a little check in otherwise you know you're just going back to back meetings and by the end of the day you're going to be feel exhausted yeah absolutely it's been such an amazing conversation I love to finish off by asking you a few quick questions that I know our listeners would love to hear your answer I know both of us are very passionate readers so I'd love to know do you have a favorite book and why <laughs> it's like naming your favorite child it's impossible but just choose one <laughs> or two okay you know there's so many there's so many that have been so impactful in my life but One book that was very pivotal for me on my journey was Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. It was amazing and so eye-opening. So if you haven't read that, please read it. It's so good. Great. Thank you for sharing. We're going to link that in our show notes for sure. Do you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite Stationary well, I'm currently, I've got a Kiki K pen in my hand. So, I, I mean, I've got so many of your pens, but I love all of your journals, your gratitude journals. I love all of your cards. I get all of my cards from there for birthdays. Any of your diaries, your your yearly diaries, your gratitude journals, everything is so beautiful. I love all of your products. And I've said this to you before, but walking into any of your stores, you can't help but feel inspired. And you have definitely created such a beautiful sanctuary for people to go to feel inspired. And you've done such a great job at that. Oh, thank you so much. It's so kind of you. Thank you. So what's next for you, Melissa? What should we be keeping an eye out for? Well, the podcast is continuously getting on epic, epic humans. So come and subscribe to that. That's just called the Melissa Rambrosini Show. I absolutely love doing that. It's awesome. 
I will be writing my third book, which will be very exciting. And got a couple of speaking gigs coming up and more online programs and products. And you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook to find out all of that information and check out my website as well. So if you actually sign up to my newsletter on my website at melissaambrosini.com, you won't miss any of the goodness that is coming out. But also, yeah, I'm, I'm another thing I'm personally working on at the moment is just integrating more, more play and more rest in my days and in my life and, and not working so much. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we'll link to all your uh, socials and websites, et cetera, as well. So thanks for sharing that. So one last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I would say don't compare yourself to anyone else. You are perfect and whole and complete and beautiful just as you are and you don't need to compare yourself. You are amazing just as you are. What a beautiful way of ending this very, very inspiring conversation. I'd like to thank you so much first for being on our podcast, but also for all that you do to the world in terms of um, the inspiration and really uh, living what you're talking about. So it's been such a beautiful conversation and I know that our listeners will get so much out of this conversation. So thank you so very much. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for starting your podcast and for being such a light in the world and for being so generous and beautiful. And, you know, every interaction that we have had, it's just been so beautiful. You're such a beautiful person inside and out. And I'm so grateful to call you my friend and to have you in my life. You're just such a light. Oh, thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, catching up, hopefully in Sydney in a couple of weeks. Yes, I can't wait. Great. Thank you so much. Wow, what a wonderfully inspiring conversation that was. Melissa is such a role model when it comes to taking responsibility and control of your life and making changes to live a happy and healthy life she now loves. I love how she believes in not only dreaming big and writing down your dreams, but also taking daily inspired action towards making your dream life a reality. This is exactly the message I want to share through my own dream life movement. Whether you want to feel healthier or happier, start a business, change careers, change habits or chase a new dream, it really is possible if you commit to making it happen. If you're looking for more inspiration on how you can do this, as well as guidance and simple steps to help you on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be, grab a copy of my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, and the journal I have created to go with it. You'll find plenty of chapters on how you can turn your dreams into achievable bite-sized actions and really start on the path to living a life you love. Remember, you are in the driver's seat and it really is up to you to prioritize your dreams. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I would also love your help to spread this inspiring message on the importance of realizing and chasing your dreams. So please share our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.